بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن صار على نهجه وتمسك بسنته إلى يوم الدين All praise is due to Allah, the most merciful, the most high. We seek his help, we seek his forgiveness. And we seek refuge with Allah from the evil of our own souls and from our evil deeds. Whomever Allah guided will never be led astray. And whomever leaves astray will never be guided. I bear witness that there is no God, no creator, but the most high, the exalted, the glorified, the almighty Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his slave and his messenger. Peace and blessings be upon him. Sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam. Thumma amma ba'd. Our dear, beloved brothers and sisters. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And welcome to Islamic Show. This is your live Islam Q&A show. We will receive your calls, your Islamic inquiries, your questions. Inshallah by Allah's guidance, by Allah's ilm, knowledge, by Allah's help. I'll do the best I can to answer your questions. So you see the phone number on the screen right now. Uh, feel free to call us at any time. This is Thursday afternoon and this is a live show. We are awaiting for your calls, inshallah ta'ala. You can also use the same number and send us a text message uh, via uh, WhatsApp along with your questions and uh, we will be more than happy to answer it whenever it's convenient, inshallah ta'ala. By the beginning of this show, I'm asking Allah, the Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala, may Allah open our hearts to the proper ilm, the proper knowledge. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for us to understand our deen, our religion properly and to practice it in a way that pleases Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah remove the anxiety, the depression, the stress, the pain, the sickness, the illness, the viruses, the diseases from all of our lives insha'Allah ta'ala and grant the fast to recovery, shifa al-ajil to all sick and ill people, insha'Allah ta'ala. May Allah have mercy on all of our brothers and sisters who passed away. And may Allah make this time sincerely with ikhlas for his sake only and make all of us gathering with our beloved Muhammad, the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam in Jannatul Firdaus, paradise on the day of resurrection. Allahumma ameen, Allahumma ameen. Our dear beloved brothers and sisters, you are welcome to call us at any time. This is a live show. We are awaiting for your calls. So feel free to call us at any time, insha'Allah ta'ala. Let me start with some of your WhatsApp questions. Question number one, I am disabled on benefits. Am I eligible for zakah? Uh, depending on your situation, the, the one who eligible for the zakah to receive the zakah is the needy and the poor person. And when we say the needy and the poor person is the person who cannot pay the expenses of his uh, necessities. And the scholars discussed what is the necessities, the most important necessities, the livelihood expenses 
without which the, 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 the person will not live properly. So they talk about the place to live, so the roof to live under, the food, you have food in your table if you have food, if you don't, so you are uh, entitled to receive zakah. The, the medication, if you cannot afford to pay for your medication, for your health. And the clothes, if you cannot cover yourself with a proper clothes. So this is four main necessities. The, the, in Arabic we call it الدواء والغذاء والكساء والكساء والإيواء. All like on, 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 on uh, the text, the same sound, uh, yeah. So al dawa medication, al ghida the food, al kisa clothes, al iwa the house, the place to live. So if all those four necessities are available for you, and I believe that the person who is on benefit. The government, thankfully, alhamdulillah, in the country like UK, they support you financially and they give you a place to live. They give you what can make you survive, survive financially to eat, to dress and to pay for your medication. So in this case, you do not uh, have the right to take the zakah. But uh, you can, the brothers and sisters, they can help you uh, in a form of sadaqah instead of zakah. Because we have something called zakah. This is a compulsory charity to be, to be paid by the wealthy to the needy. And there is something voluntary sadaqah. That sadaqah, that is its charity. Okay, Sheikh, um, what, uh, what if I have all those kind of necessities? But I'm still str struggling. Um, I don't have a mobile. I cannot pay my bills. I cannot uh, have a, a proper life like other people. So it is not bad. It is a very good idea, very rewarding. If the wealthy person paid his zakat to someone who's seriously in need and does not have the, the facilitation and the, the money that by which he can afford to pay the four necessities, and then he pay the sadaqat, the voluntary sadaqat, the voluntary charity to those people like on benefit or whatever to make their life easier, to make their life happier, to uh, put a smile on their face. This is, this is very rewarding, but you cannot say, if someone came to you and said, this is a money of zakat, said, said no, I'm... I'm, I'm not entitled to receive any zakah because the, the main four necessities are available for me. But if you want to help me with something uh, other than the zakah, which is the extra voluntary sadaqah, I'm happy to, to accept it. So, uh, and alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned both things. You will find the verse... Uh, with and without one word. وَفِي أَمْوَالِهِمْ And in their wealth, حق, right, for the needy and the poor. Right? In another verse, the first one in Surah Al-Dhariyat, the second one in Surah Al-Ma'arij, 
وفي أموالهم حق معلوم specific determined amount of money. So in the second verse, specific amount of money for the needy and the poor, that referring to the compulsory charity, which is the zakah. We call it zakah. وفي أموالهم حق للسائل والمحروم. So extra, additional to the zakah, they also pay sadaqat. They also pay the voluntary charity. So they want to please Allah even more. They paid what is compulsory, what is obligation. And then they want to seek Allah's pleasure to purify their sin, to, uh, to, to preserve their, their place in Jannah. Because Sadaqah has a lot of countless rewards. The Prophet ﷺ was talking about purification of sin through Sadaqah. Extinguish uh, the, 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 the fire of anger of Allah by Sadaqah. Uh, 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 you seek the cure of your disease by paying Sadaqah. Yeah? Uh, all those kind of rewards and many others is for the, ch the charity in general. The zakah, the compulsory and the voluntary. So why not? Why not we, we do the zakah and we do something, something more? Right. Uh, second question. Is it true that as parents we are responsible for our children's sin to a certain age? And if it is true, what age is that? No one is responsible for anyone else's sin in any age. But you are responsible as a guardian to try to control your child's actions, speech, and those kind of things. And if he has done something, he's still the one who has done it, and it will be forgivable for him because he's under age of taklif. We call it the age of taklif. What is the age of taklif? It is a sin al-bulugh, the puberty age, when he uh, reach the puberty age. Some of the scholars said 18 years old. Some of the scholars said 15 years old. If there is, a, there is no sign of the puberty, we have some signs that indicates that this child has become adult to be responsible and accountable for his actions and his speech. This signs like um, having the wet dream for the boy uh, the voice it changed, he, he started having uh, her in his face, in uh, beard and stuff. Uh, those kind of signs indicates that he has become big now. For the woman, she started having her monthly period, and uh, for the girl, I mean, she started having she, uh, her monthly cycle, and those kind of things indicates that she has become adult to be responsible for her actions and the speech, and also to be obliged to follow her religion's uh, duties and to fulfill it, like praying, fasting, and those kind of things. Before that age, they are not going to be punished. But that doesn't mean that the father will be punished on their behalf. <laughs> no. You are responsible to control them within your ability. If you can, if you could control them, that's fine. So if you couldn't, it is forgivable for you. you uh, no one will blame you 
for, uh, for a mistake that someone else has done. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it as a principle in his book. La taziru waziratun wizra ukhra. So when it, when it is uh, sinful, if someone is sinful, so no one, uh, th th there is no one else will be punished for his sin. You, uh, you are the only one who will be held uh, to, for accountable on the day of judgment or here lawfully or whatever. Uh, right. If you are unable to perform Umrah or Hajj as you have a child that has uh, autism and learning disabilities with no family to look after him, there's something I could do in place of Umrah or Hajj for the same spiritual reward. It depends. It depends on your uh, the, the 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 circumstances from all angles. I cannot confirm that you are excused uh, because uh, I believe that you still can travel with your child somehow, and the the the, the governments and the, the flights uh, crew, uh, the, the 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 people in the airports and uh, all those kind of things. If you can secure uh, the facilitation and the help and the support for your disabled child to go with you there, that will be fantastic. So I'm not sure whether you can afford for that, whether those facilitations are available for you or not. So don't take it as to be granted that are, you are excused because normally we say the person is excused because of financial issues or health condition issues for himself. So he cannot perform the Umrah, he cannot perform the Hajj because of one of those uh, things. Azad rahila Azad, the wealth uh, and, and uh, the something to take him to there and uh, the physical, uh, the physical uh, strength that he can go there. For some other excuses that you have a child to look after and he, you cannot travel with him, there is something to be, uh, to be looked at, to be looked at and to study and to think from all angles. Is there any other alternative solution? Is there any home care that they will look after my child for, uh, for one week or 10 days? I will go for a short Umrah, for a short Hajj. There is no need to go to Al Medina. I'm not saying that it is obligation on you still, but I'm not, I cannot guarantee uh, from the way you, you give me this excuse, I cannot guarantee that this excuse is, is enough and valid enough. So you need to think of that. However, if you cannot go there and you're struggling and you couldn't find any alternative solution, at least those that I suggested, so in this case, you are excused not to go and you don't need to do anything. Uh, the reward, you will gain it in full even if you didn't go, if you are excused. If you are excused. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Umrah and Hajj conditional. لمن استطاع سبيلا Only the person who can go. If the person excused not to go for any valid reason, so he doesn't need to do uh, anything, just focus on the, uh, the other rituals, the other actions of worshipping insha'Allah uh, ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help you and support you and give you the patience 
and reward you for looking after your uh, disabled child. The disabled child actually is a blessing in any house, in any house. It is a blessing and full of reward, mashallah. When you look after him, when you feed him, when you be with him, this is a blessing, trust me. May Allah reward you, inshallah. Why is, is it necessarily for one member of the mu'min to sometimes repeat what an imam has uttered during a congregational prayer? Well, this has uh, scholarly views. Not all scholars said the ma'mum uh, would repeat what the imam uh, has uttered. Some of the scholars said the ma'mum, the person who's praying behind the imam in the jama'ah prayer, the congregational prayer, doesn't actually need to say anything. He just follow the imam movements. And when he make a ruku'ah, he says, Subhan Rabbi Al-Azim, for himself, Subhan Rabbi Al-A'la, Sami'Allahu Liman Ulli. But he doesn't need actually to repeat what the Imam recited. Some of the other scholarly view are saying, no, the Ma'mum should at least recite Surah Al-Hamd and also respond to the Imam. When the Imam said, Waladdalin, he should say, Ameen. When the Imam say Allahu Akbar, he will go, Sami Allahu liman hamida, the Ma'mum should say, Rabbana wa lakal hamd, so the response, not the, repeat, the repeating. And they said the uh, repetition of the, of the Fatiha, Surah Al-Fatiha in particular is uh, essential uh, because we have a hadith narrated by many of the Sahaba, including Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu, and this is authentic hadith. La salata limallam yaqra bi ummul kitab. So your salah is incomplete if you didn't recite ummul kitab. And there is no, uh, there is nothing in the hadith said. It is when you pray alone or when you pray in congregation. That's why some of the scholars made it compulsory for any ma'mum to recite at least surah al-hamd, even in the congregational prayer. So it is a debatable views. And if you decided not to repeat anything, and just uh, uh, the Imam will say everything, there is another hadith that the recitation of the Imam is sufficient for the Imam and for the people behind him. And the Salah adopting and following this view is, is valid, insha'Allah. Uh, insha so at least if you got the time, if you got the gap, uh, the Imam give you some chance to recite Surah Al-Hamd, at least Surah Al-Hamd, just to be in the set side. If you couldn't, so uh, you don't need to, 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 to recite it, inshallah, especially in the Jahriya prayer, the, the loudly prayer like Fajr, uh, Maghrib, uh, and Isha. Yeah? In silent prayer, the, 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 the matter is easier because the Imam is not saying anything. He will just... Uh, keep silent, he reciting uh, in his heart, uh, just himself listening. He can, people behind him does not, do not uh, actually know what he's reciting. So in this case, you can recite. You have the chance to recite uh, silently. But in the Jahriya one, when the Imam is reciting loudly, like Fajr, Maghrib, Isha, Sometimes some imams will give you a chance to recite yourself. Sometimes no. 
So if you've got the gap, if you got the chance, recite it quickly. If no, no, keep listening to the Imam. You don't need to recite anything in the loudly uh, prayer. Is the Surah Al-A'la compulsory to recite in Shafi'i, in Shafi'i and Witr prayers? Because many times I recite the last 10 Surah during Qiyam layl no, it is not compulsory, but it is sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ used to, for the, for the Qiyamul Layl, for the Witr prayer, the Shaf'a and the Witr, the last two rak'ah will be Surah Al-A'la in the first rak'ah, uh, Surah Al-Kafirun, قُلْ يَا أَيُّهَا الْكَافِرُونَ in the second rak'ah, and Surah Al-Ikhlas, or Al-Ikhlas and قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقُ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقُ قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ all قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدُ at the third rak'ah. So this is the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So since it is a sunnah, so it is not compulsory. When you call it sunnah, it is not compulsory. But definitely, you will gain more reward if you follow the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It is nice to recite the last ten surah of Quran in your qiyam al-layl, but I'm seeking Allah's reward and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm seeking Allah's pleasure. And uh, the, 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 the most beloved one to Allah and the most knowledgeable person in how to please Allah and how to practice the religion is the Messenger of Allah sallallahu himself. So when I have him as a, my good example, it is, it is always better to follow him, to follow him. However, if you have this uh, habit to recite the last 10 surah in Qiyamul Layl, you still can recite Surah Al-A'la. Recite Surah Al-A'la and recite Surah Al-Kafirun. Sheikh, what about the sequence? What about the order? I didn't follow the, 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 the order. It is still fine because you recite two, two different surah, even uh, not on the order of Quran, but in two different rak'ah is fine. In two different, even in the same rak'ah is fine. So long as you didn't make some verses, you bring them uh, in the front and some verses from the same surah, you bring them in the back. So th this is this is not uh, okay. But if it is two different surah and you um, twist or make something in the sequence, it's still fine. It's still fine because the Prophet ﷺ in Qiyamul Layl, there is authentic hadith that he recited Surah Al-Hamd, right? What comes after Surah Al-Hamd? Surah Al-Baqarah. He recited Surah Al-Baqarah, right? What comes after Surah Al-Baqarah? I mean in the order of the Mus'haf. Surah Ala Imran, no. He skipped Surah Ala Imran and he recited Surah Al-Nisa first, right? And then after finishing Surah An-Nisa, he went back to Surah Ala Imran. So that means that the order of the Surah is not actually necessary to follow when you recite in Qiyamul Layl. But the sequence of verses inside the Surah is important. You cannot bring some verses from the end of the Surah and you recite them first and then you bring something from the middle after and then you, you recite something from the start afterwards. 
this is not okay. So in the same surah, you cannot change the sequence, the, the, the order of the verses. But in two different surah, the sequence of the surah itself, the surahs itself, you can do so because the Prophet has done, has done that. Do we know when the Prophet Isa is born? No. No, we don't. We don't know. Islamically, in, from Islamic perspective of view, we don't, we don't know. And uh, there is a big doubt that it was not in winter time. Because by, at the time of delivering Isa, peace be upon him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to his mother Maryam, uh, may Allah be pleased with her. So just shake the palm tree, the, the dates will uh, fill to you so you can eat from it and you can strengthen your energy, your power, your activity after delivering the baby. And usually the palm tree doesn't give the fruit of dates in winter gives it at the end of summer. So this makes some historically debate around when exactly Prophet Isa was born. Why Masjid is called Al-Masjid Al-Haram? Very good question. Why Masjid is called Al-Masjid Al-Haram? Right. The word Haram linguistically means forbidden. And this masjid is, is, is called Al-Masjid Al-Haram, the Haram Mosque. It doesn't mean that it is forbidden to pray there or to go there, no. It means that there are a lot of things have become haram to do in this place. So it can be okay and tolerated and forgivable to do outside the zone of the Masjid Haram and as soon as you enter that zone, that restricted area, some few things have become haram. So be careful. There are something permissible and permitted outside, but inside is not permissible. So it is just like when you enter a place in the UK, indoors, it is not permissible to smoke. If you want to smoke cigarettes or e-cigarettes, you could have this sign in any place. You have to come out and smoke if you want to do so. And um, um, I have to emphasize here by the law that smoking cigarette is not good for your health. Right. So similarly, we call this place is haram because a lot of things has become haram. Like what? For instance, you cannot cut the wild tree in the Masjid Haram area. You cannot disturb any bird in the Masjid Haram area. You cannot hunt them and slaughter them in the Masjid Haram area. You cannot pick up something lost in this area except for the purpose that you will ask people if anyone, if anyone has lost something. Yeah? So in this place, there are plenty of things that has become haram for people uh, to do. Uh, and that's why uh, they call it Masjid Haram. And by the way, 
or something which is related to that. The word al-masjid al-haram doesn't mean the mosque only. It is more likely related to the Mecca city itself. Yeah? Al-masjid al-haram means Mecca, the city of Mecca. This, this zone, this area, the city of Mecca has been described as Al-Masjid uh, Al-Haram. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu ati'u allaha wa ati'u al-rasoola wa ulil amri minkum.